No, I, I was terrible at memorizing when I was younger. I was uh, like, I remember we had to learn the periodic table in high school. And I just thought, how could anybody ever possibly remember this? And of course, I failed that class. I failed grade nine science. But um, now I'm sure if I wanted to learn the periodic table, I could probably do it in an hour. It would be uh, maybe a bit more than an hour, but I don't think it would be that hard. in Canada I didn't find um, I didn't find a lot of fulfillment outside of things other than work and I did, so I just worked a lot when I lived in Canada and so now I'm really happy to be able to live in Taiwan where I, I feel like I can kind of have more interesting things and not just be obsessed with work Taiwan has given me this great like there's so many I guess so many things to get obsessed with and for me, the two things I guess I've focused on right now are hiking, which I do fairly regularly, and uh, characters. Before I came to Taiwan, I had absolutely no idea about um, Mandarin and Taiwan. And they, I remember when I first got here, they talked about how in China they use simplified characters and here they use traditional characters, which is annoying that we're in the place that has the more complicated characters that are harder to learn. But... Whatever, I appreciate it uh, historically that it makes Taiwan unique. Um, I remember when characters were such a big, daunting thing. And even I'd get to know some of them and I'd look at signs and like, in my heart of hearts, it didn't really feel like someday I'm going to be able to read all of that, like that newspaper or something. And I'm still not there, but my attitude is definitely totally switched by having the new technique to be able to say like, looking at the characters like, oh, I will be able to remember that in time. So that's, yeah, it's been like really freeing, I would say. So I, f I found out about this system from a book I read, and it was a really interesting book. It was called Moonwalking with Einstein. It's a few years old, but it's kind of about memorization. And this kind of normal guy kind of learned the techniques to memorization. And it wasn't so much a self-help book, but there were kind of nuggets in there to build upon. And uh, so one of the big things was that just humans, we've evolved to have a spatial, um, a good spatial memory. And you can kind of think of it intuitively. It makes sense. We, it's more important to know how to get home than, say, remember the name of somebody you just met. And that's why we kind of we do better with spaces in memory than we do with things like names or just remembering how to write characters on their own. But if I try and add that geographical element, it helped me a lot. It was a big difference. And kind of opened my eyes reading that book to how you can manipulate your memory a little bit. Well, actually, now I wasn't even thinking about this, but what I, um, the first time I heard about it, it was really random. I just went, it was like probably 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I just went to do a hike here in Taipei. And there's just this uh, German guy at the bottom of the trail. He was an interesting guy. And he, he had just finished the hike and we were chatting for 10 minutes or something. I was like, well, I'm going to go do the hike. You can join if you want to do it again. So then he did it again. And at some point on the hike, he mentioned this method. So I ended up making my own stories, but it's kind of weird. Like I had never even, it had never even crossed my mind to do it this way. And just such a chance encounter. And I haven't heard many people talk about this method since or anybody without me bringing it up. So I was very lucky to just happen to meet him at 10 PM at the base of some 
random mountain here in Taipei. So for me, and Mandarin being an English speaker, is the tones is by far the most difficult part. So what I do is I have five locations for each of the tones. So maybe people don't know that uh, each character is just one syllable, and it's not at all phonetic. Uh, well, some are, look similar and then become phonetic, but it's not a phonetic system. It's kind of like having thousands of paintings and just knowing what each painting that sound is. You have to kind of memorize it. So anyways, so for each character, they're going to be one of five tones. And I have a location for each tone. So first tone is kind of up high. And I'll use the character Ma as my example. So Ma, I picture all those stories happen on an airplane. So Ma, because it's up high, the tone stays up high. And then the second tone goes up. So that would be Ma. And the, all those stories happen in my hometown when I was growing up or anywhere else in Canada. Works for me as I was growing up. And then the third time, tone, this is kind of a, this is a harder one to make a story for, but it's, it goes down and then up. So it'd be ma. It's kind of deeper. So for that, there's a bar here in Taipei that has a half pipe, which um, for those who might not know, it's like a skateboarding. It's as if you cut a pipe in half. And that's what they use for skateboarding. Um, so the, all those stories happen at this bar in Taipei. And for my more elaborate stories, it kind of it makes it more memorable to have a place like a bar that a story wouldn't be really be probable to happen. That makes it it's more memorable. And then my fourth tone, um, a few years ago, I did a really long hike. It took me five months, and it was in the it was five months of hiking in the U.S. It's called the Appalachian Trail. And then when I finally finished the last mountain, when I was hiking down, it was a very memorable time in my life. I was 20 years old, and I had just finished this crazy big hike, so I really remember that time. So that's my fourth tone, which is coming down that mountain. So in that ma, that would be ma. And then finally, the fifth tone is the least common one, and it's kind of like short. So I put all those stories up in space. I imagine them in a space station. So that'd be like ma would be a lot of uh, sentences will end on that tone. So I'll use T as an example of a character that people might uh, be able to look up online. So the Mandarin, you can use Google Translate to search T in Mandarin Chinese is cha, C-H-A. So it's second tone. So that would be growing up. I know a second tone. And I imagine that there's a T shortage in my town. So there's, but there's one building, it's a church. You can see the cross out front and then the roof. And then coming out of the cross, there's kind of two lines, one on each side. So I imagine those as people praying to the cross. And then there's tea leaves, you can see as the plus signs on top of the roof. So they're praying. They're not Christian people, but they're praying because that's the only way to get tea in this town is this church that is hoarding all the tea in my hometown. It is kind of my, um, my, how I've used the memory palace. So people use memory palaces. And for those who aren't familiar with the concept, the basic idea is that like, maybe you can take uh, your childhood home. And if you go in and you have a list you want to remember, you just find the rooms in your, in your home and put, uh, put a memory on each wall or something or something you want to remember. And then if you do that, you'll be able to go back and remember where you mentally put those things on each wall in the room. 
So that's, that's kind of the memory palace that uh, people talk about. Mine's a bit different. I kind of went a bit more broad uh, just for remembering tones. And I, I think that one's a bit better for remembering lists or remembering things that necessarily go together. But for what I'm learning, it's just too big. So I just kind of, I do repeat the same places. There are, there are times when characters were, well, yeah, characters and tones, the two things my stories helped for were my two least favorite parts about Mandarin. And now I'd say they're definitely my two favorite parts. Well, not tones, but characters, my favorite part. And I'd say my two biggest strengths is being to recognize those two. So it's weird to have done that complete flip-flop. It's just a good lesson to always try different things. Like, you know, try things in life, maybe just you know, somebody invites you out to do something weird, whether, I don't know what you could be, surfing or a games night or something. And I say, I'd say you should always try that once at least and see if maybe it'll just totally change your life. Like I could have just, oh, that, that German guy was weird, whatever. I'm just going to keep doing what everybody else told me to do, but I'm really glad I tried it. And, and yeah, I guess I think sometimes people stick to things that aren't working way too long without like really trying to branch off. And uh, I assume that's kind of a, I guess I don't know why we do that as humans, but it's kind of it's good to remind yourself to always try different things if it's not working and really evaluate how things are working. And I'd say it's important for people to kind of find their own way and to just kind of challenge like what everybody tells them is like the way to do it. Like people always told me just to write characters a lot. But that's what Taiwanese kids do. Like the, the, me as an adult, I did much better with kind of being uh, doing it this other way. And I also find it's more interesting I mean, I get tired of just telling weird stories that don't make a whole lot of sense, but that's still better than just sitting there writing characters. Just making creative stories, and especially if you can do it with somebody else, is just so much more interesting than trying to remember dates or just a periodic table. Like, But maybe that's, I guess maybe I do have a bit of, I would enjoy a more creative class, but it's funny that there's the kind of the sciency and the creative are so separate in schools, and there's room for it to be more valuable to combine the two. But, oh, and I definitely wish I would have had this technique back when I was in school and learning French. I think with French, with all the male and females, put the male characters in one, or the male words, we're talking about French, and the female words in another place. And then I think that would be really helpful. Quand j'étais une enfant, j'étudiais un petit peu de français, c'est vrai, c'est vrai. Yeah, and it's interesting that I think I was so much... Mm, I was just not interested in language at all as a kid when, of course, that's when you can learn it the best. I wasted those good years. And then now as an adult, I've come to appreciate it more. But also, it's really interesting that I've done so much better um, being able to study in my own ways that I find have worked for me. So I've definitely come a long way from no interest in the language particularly to now really spending a lot of my time focusing on it just memory or languages or anything a lot of things can kind of grow on you you'd be surprised and i remember um i something i realized when i read in a just a first year psychology textbook it was that people um we recognize that we've changed a lot but we we tend to think we're okay but now we're not going to change and then i kind of thought back to my life and i was like yeah I, i do kind of always think that but then i do always change in the future so we're kind of in this weird perpetual state where we think we're not going to change much, but it's okay to it kind of, it's an in, it makes life more interesting. I think when you think about like, Oh no, I will change a lot in the future and that's okay to anybody trying interested in learning a second language or feeling overwhelmed by it is just start small and just look at words and kind of 
figure out what word does that sound like in your language and try and make that that building connection and then you know pretty quickly find 10 vocabulary words like maybe pick 10 body parts or something and see if you can make connections in your brain to them and see if you that's something that interests you and maybe it'll come really naturally to you and then a language wouldn't be as overwhelming people kind of i think i was guilty of this too is you look at chinese characters as this big daunting thing but really like if you use chunking chunking is the kind of idea of like you know if you put stuff in groups it's not as daunting you just got to remember the one group of things and then remember the next group of things so most characters have you know 15 strokes if you follow the proper stroke order but then really there's just maybe three different parts in there so your story just has to encapsulate what three things they are and usually it's not too hard to once you kind of get the get the ball rolling on memorizing it to kind of then oh yeah put it all together like this so that's the same reason we um, phone numbers we usually separate into groups of three we don't just give them as one big intimidating number i think um it would be easy to say like, well, that's great to have those associations, but does that work when you're speaking, when you're actually speaking the language? And of course, at first it won't, but the goal is to start to just to make those connections and be able to make them in your head. And then eventually, hopefully those connections don't need to be made. Like uh, the connections you made, they just naturally are so intertwined from you telling that story so many times. And then it, you just remember the words. People say there's not a lot of um, practical use to remembering lists in the days of the internet, but it's really useful for language learning, of course. And then for me, I have decided to try and like broaden my kind of memory, but I don't use it that much. I'll try and use it with names more. Like I'll try and find like associations, but that's something I think I want to grow on more in the future. Like recently on my last hike, I tried to remember the last um, 40 Stanley cup champions for example, and I did it. It only took me 20 minutes or something through weird stories, and, and it was helpful. And so what I did was I broke it into five-year intervals, and I broke it down um, into each... Uh, so I'd think of that year, and I'd find like a memorable time to put it there. So for example, in 2001, I thought of myself as a young person. I was probably six years old in Colorado skiing. So that's the Colorado Avalanche, and then I was skiing down, I tripped over a Red Wing, the Detroit Red Wings, and fell down. And then I got a stain on my New Jersey that I was wearing. It's the New Jersey Devils. So those are the three years there from Colorado Avalanche to Detroit Red Wings to New Jersey Devils. And then the stain was taken out by lightning that struck me in my chest. So the Tampa Bay Lightning were the team after that. So that was stories like that is what I used to try and remember the last 40 Stanley Cup champions. I've always kind of been interested in kind of memory challenges stuff, and, but I've always never been good at them. Like I always kind of like trivia, but I'm always terrible at it. And I, when I first started playing GeoGuessr, I liked it, but I wasn't good at it at all. I couldn't remember, you know, why, what made a Polish sign and what made a Finnish sign. But then recently reading that book, it kind of motivated me to think, oh, I can do better than other people, or I can really upgrade my memory if I just kind of like go about it in a different way. So that's been really exciting, and that's been a lot of fun. I, li I like it in a way that I need to be, I always need to be doing something productive in my life, and I always need, need to kind of have a challenge. So I think maybe a lot of people do that, like 
I wouldn't like you need to be motivated to do something, but to say it's like necessarily pleasurable, I don't know if I'd say that, but I'm happy I have it in my life to kind of give me a challenge and something. I enjoy that challenge in my life. 